0: to the Value Coffee Talk podcast.
1: Hi, I'm April Morley. And
0: I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy.
1: This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective. It's a community for value-focused leaders and practitioners and sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive.
0: Our mission is to help accelerate and optimize the value articul- articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. Uh, we're here with our coffee and our dirty chai, and our guest today is David Yokelson. He's a distinguished VP and fellow for research firm Gartner, my alma mater, and he covers there the art and science of product marketing, product-led growth, and a topic dear and dear to all our hearts. And that is value. Welcome, David.
2: Tom, thank you so much. And April, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and having coffee in the afternoon, which is unusual for me. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: hopefully you don't blame us for keeping you up too late at night. (laughs) Um, You know, David, I I love Gartner's research in this area. Around buyer expectations and they've consistently been elevated over the past several years, particularly wanting solution providers to help them to understand and assure business outcomes. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's uh, and uh, I'll couch a little bit and quote some things that you just wrote recently um, where you referenced Hank Barnes work on buyer regret. Yeah. So, you know, we we know that buyers regret a significant amount of their purchases Um, and by the way they do this at the same time that they demand rep free experiences which is kind of a fun thing but we also know through data that buyers want their vendors to help them understand the value that their purchases are going to deliver to them in terms of business outcomes Mm -hmm. they want them to do it early in their buying process they want them to do it middle to late in the buying process and in part because of the preponderance of finance people in every deal, they have to build business cases and they have mm-hmm. to be able to, to talk numbers. So lots of ways that, that buyers are making demands on, on sellers, marketers, and, and generally speaking, the vendors to show the numbers
1: so these are a lot of different demands across the sales cycle um we've been hearing from the market that solution providers and sellers are falling short on these expectations and just curious why you think that is
2: in some cases it's maturity so as an example right before this conversation i was having a a call with a client relatively small company who's beginning down the path and, and they're doing the right things and, um, they're planning to put the right effort into it, but, but many small providers are much more enthusiastic about their technology than they are about what their customers want to do with it. And so I, you, you said right. that I work on product led One of the failings early in product-led growth was we don't need marketing. We don't need sales. The thing's going to sell itself. And of course mm-hmm. we know that it won't. So that's one problem. Um, the yeah. second issue is that, and this is by no means saying that value selling is bad, but many organizations that implement value selling just treat it as a sales method and that's it Um, Mm -hmm. and and that's not enough so not enough cross-functional pollination and then also not carrying through to after the purchase so getting to the goal line sorry for the sports analogy is is one thing but making sure that those customers get the value
0: out of that purchase afterward is also key. And that's where
2: um, historically vendors have fallen short.
0: Yeah, that comprehensive approach, I think, is so important. But when you look at most programs, it's checkbox driven. It's oh, OK, we've implemented value selling training check and we're done. Right? <clears throat> uh, we've developed an ROI spreadsheet, throw it over to the sellers. Done. Check yeah. or an ROI calculator <laughs> for the website. There it is. Check. Um, Checking in the box, and treating value as one thing, when it really is everything doesn't cut it, right?
2: Yeah, you're, you're, uh, I'm laughing, because the ROI calculator is a, a fun and a famous one. For me, it's probably the the most common question that I get about, or, or in the value space, and it, it's, should I build a website ROI calculator? And my answer is, well, you're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, you should. But There are a bunch of things that you need to have in place before you do that. So, yeah, we got to move past just the shiny widget on the website.
0: Yeah. Or as you indicated, kind of that siloed or one dimensional aspect to value. Right. It's got to be part of marketing and and the fuel for the conversation. It's got to be part of sales and making sure they've got the right content and stories, the right tools. Um, It can't just be relied on with value consulting and engineering because there can only Mm -hmm. be so many of them to go into certain deals. And then it's almost absent in most QBR discussions with customer success, too.
2: Yep. Yeah, you're 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 reading my mind. Um, Yeah. I mean, how many boring QBRs do people have to sit through before it's you know, we realize we're, we're not doing the right things? And so, well, first that assumes that there's customer success in place and customer success Mm -hmm. is a nascent discipline, there's still a lot of customer service, that doesn't Mm -hmm. take customer health holistically, and and doesn't think a lot about value realization. So yeah, that's, that's a problem. And and, I mean, it goes all the way back to product. Um, Because if the product folks aren't uh, designing and building with customer value in mind, then, you know, we end up with shelfware, which adds to discontent, which is not good.
1: Um, So you've recommended that marketing and sales teams evolve from using ROI to building business cases. Could you tell us what you see as the difference between those two?
2: Sure. Um, So just beginning with the word, the, the things begin with understanding that the, sorry to I'll describe it, but the value that uh, a purchase and implementation is going to bring to an organization in terms of the business outcomes that they want to drive. Let me translate that out of consulting ease. So um, if I'm a retailer, then, you know, my concerns are going to be how do I manage inventory turns effectively? How do I take money or cost rather out of the supply chain? How do I generate more revenue through online commerce, whatever? So there are value drivers that, that companies have. And the technology that's put in place should be delivering more of those value drivers. So if you're concerned about cost cutting, it should do that. Mm -hmm. If you're concerned about generating revenue, it should do that um, and, and so on. Most companies, however, like we talked about, start with ROI which I think of as a defensive mechanism because it's bringing your price into it immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's useless, if not wrong, um, to, talk, to talk about that at the start. You wanna talk about the value of making the investment um, in part because, to your point, April, the, because business cases have to be built and spends have to be defended, the CFO and others in finance or controller or whomever, have to understand why this particular thing is being undertaken, and why this money mm-hmm. is being spent, and why that money is um, better put to use on that tech spend versus hiring six more people or or doing you know whatever whatever the other thing might be. So, understanding the the value of taking the action is the first important step. What difference is it going to make to my business, to my organization? Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about, well, given the immense value that this will bring, you know, the cost is such a small thing. So the return is so great and so on.
0: Absolutely, David. And I do think too, business case, important element to it, especially today is what are the strategic initiatives that the proposal is solving, right? An ROI doesn't get to that, but a business case should have that strategic initiative alignment in it. And then from a neuroscience of decision-making basis, people move away from pain more than they move towards gain. That propensity is higher. So really amplifying, illuminating and amplifying the pain and the impacts and the cost of doing nothing, I think is critical in getting the CFOs, the stakeholders that may not be living the pain every day to want to invest in your proposal. And to me, yeah. those two elements. Yeah, go ahead, David.
2: No, no, I was going to say. So you, you you triggered a thought. So there there's the pain uh, or cost of inaction, which I, I love. And mm-hmm. not enough people think of when they when they create models and, and all of that. But we also have data that tells us that CFOs don't understand don't respect and don't believe that the investments that have been made in digital transformation are doing anything for them. Mm. So there's a whole other purpose to to building a business case, which is alignment is Mm -hmm. getting the, the, we'll call it the CIO and the CFO, but the technical spenders or business buyers in line with the finance people to say, we're going to do better things for our company as a result of this. Here they are, and here's what it's going to be. Um, So yeah, so many vectors it's, it's
0: critical and then going on to hank barnes and the confidence or the lack thereof in the decisions i think is another big driver that needs to be covered in those proposals because you can have a great great amount of pain that they're moving away from it could be strategically aligned it could have a great return on investment and a financial justification to it but maybe they don't trust the results that are being documented. Talk, talk about confidence and how important that is to have in the business case too.
2: Yeah. Um, So the the background of this is excuse me, is remember that buying teams have a large number of people in them that the bigger Mm -hmm. the company, the bigger the deal, the larger the buying team and our numbers tell us it's somewhere between 10 and 14. I think 11 is the last number I saw on average, but there's a bunch of people that make a buying decision. All of them, have to validate that, not just that they're making the right vendor decision, but that they're tackling the right problem. Mm -hmm. And in any large organization, I've worked in large organizations, you all have, it's difficult. So um, building confidence that that team is attacking a problem worth tackling that will deliver value back to the organization is one thing. And then having the confidence in that vendor, supplier, provider, that they're, we're going to get the right thing from them, that we won't sacrifice anything on the way to doing that, and that it will actually deliver those outcomes after we sign the deal, regardless of whether the same team is involved or you know, any other priorities that happen, That trying to instill that confidence is critical.
0: I think so as well. And there's an internal confidence too that companies are struggling with, especially those that are resource constrained. Maybe they've had some cutbacks or, or budgets are tighter than ever. And they're nervous about making the wrong decision or implementing a decision where internally they can't implement or change effectively. And so talking about the services that you have maybe to help them to do that, becomes important as well. It's not just about the product buy, but the assurance that they can actually achieve the outcomes, both from you and from the internal yeah. change.
2: Yeah, I think it, it's this is a process that has to park back to the, the role of the AE mm-hmm. and or the SEs, but the sales team generally before the purchase. And then I think you're absolutely right, post-purchase. How are we going to help that customer understand change? So change management is a huge thing. And, and it's part of the role of the AE, along with sense making, as we've talked about mm-hmm. in in past. So the AE should be managing you know, those sorts of expectations and getting to that point, but then handing off to on the vendor side, the customer success team and providing the, the right forms and levels of communication, change management instruction, uh, risk evasion, everything that's going to help the buyer and help the implementing organization, not only be comfortable with what they're getting, but have some assurance that it'll be implemented, it'll be used, and they're gonna get out of it what they expected when they made the purchase.
1: Absolutely. I think that change management is one of the missing pieces um, in some of the larger transactions that software companies do. Um, without building up the roadmap for success, I think that it does impact the confidence of the the buyer.
2: Yeah, I agree. And there are some vendors that are good at it. Um, I, there, there's, I'll name service now just because, and I'm not revealing anything secret, but you can go to their website you can see the methodologies they use you can see the the types of communications they provide to their customers all the way through a, a product that they now have called impact which is to make it short technology that provides a dashboard of up to the minute value realization so you know they're they're kind of living the closed value loop from presenting what a buyer is going to get and what the expectation will be Mm -hmm. all the way through, hey, this is actually what's happening. And we'll see more of that it's, it's starting to happen. Um, But you know, there are, I would say two handfuls today of, of vendors probably that are that proactive about doing
0: it. Yeah, David, we're seeing the same thing. But there's Almost every conversation, they're either beginning to instrument or talking about instrumenting solutions to be able to do just what impact is doing for service now. So that's a great sign that we'll be eventually thinking of it like a life cycle, you know, throughout the entire customer engagement, throughout all the different groups, you know, product to BDRs, to sales, to customer success, to product. Yep.
2: Now, and that's where, I mean, just to, the small ad for PLG is that that's where the the novelty of PLG in terms of land and expand and, and a loop.
0: Mm-hmm. The,
2: the one thing that the PLG folks got right early is that this is a loop. It's not a funnel that ends at deal closed. Yeah. And so the more you think that way, the more you have to think about, gee, you know, we'd better be able to make sure that our customers have implemented are you have adopted the product that they're using it in the ways that we want them to to see value that the product mm-hmm. works obviously, Mm -hmm. and then that we can track that and then use that information to say, well, there's even more value that you can get through this edition or that, you know, other product or service.
1: Absolutely. So when it comes to value engagements in the business case, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our enterprise value collective with today?
2: Ooh, um, let's see. Uh, well, I, I guess I don't know if it's advice or, or it's, um, well, maybe it's advice. If you get this right, you're going to be really popular, and 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 that may be a problem. Um, so, what often happens in organizations when you know somebody creates the Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. and, and it has the the value assessment and value levers and the metrics and all that sort of stuff, and a seller closes a deal and they tell a friend and they tell two friends and pretty soon um, you know that. Person, Pre-sales person, SE, product marketer has no life. Um, so my advice is plan to scale. Um, you know, spreadsheets are a good start, but it's not the be all and end all. Um, you wanna try to automate this as much as possible, but you, you collectively as value professionals, Um, need to be aligned with not just the sellers, but like Tom was saying earlier, the marketers with the customer success people, because not only will this spread, it it needs to spread and there needs to be a consistency among all those groups uh, in terms of how they're speaking with customers about the value that they're going to get or have gotten.
1: Absolutely. That full life cycle value approach is definitely the goal and I'm excited to see as we progress toward it. Well, thanks so much for joining us, David. We appreciate you joining this um, value coffee talk. Uh,
2: It was my pleasure. I thank you for having me and and thank you for introducing the afternoon coffee into my ritual.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Again, hopefully we don't keep you up too much longer. Uh, Please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn or on our geniusdrive.com website to stay in touch on the latest events, tools, insights around everything value. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please hit the like button, subscribe to make sure you stay up to date on the latest episodes. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together.